Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can analyze the mental health and personality factors that may be at work in the Dr. Amy Bishop case. Another question here is, what is tenure? Tenure was a factor in this particular case. Just a reminder, I'm not diagnosing anybody in this video only speculating about what could be happening in a situation like this. If you enjoy this video, please like it, subscribe to my channel, and consider supporting me on Patreon. I'll put the link to Patreon in the description for this video. So first I'll look at the background of Amy Bishop. I'll move to the crime, the mental health and personality factors, and then I'll get to the topic of tenure. Starting with the background, Amy Bishop was born on April 25, 1965, she was raised in Massachusetts. At some point, she earned her bachelor's degree from Northeastern University and a PhD in genetics from Harvard University. In 1986, Bishop was with her mother and brother at their home in Braintree, Massachusetts. She took a Mossberg 500 pump-action 12-gauge shotgun and fired one shot into her bedroom wall. She operated the action, walked downstairs, and fired a second shot into her brother's chest, killing him. After the second shot, she operated the action again and made her way to a local car dealership. There she pointed the weapon at two employees and tried to steal a car. Bishop's mother told the police that the shooting was accidental. No charges were filed at that time. The police would later claim that no one told them about the incident at the car dealership. So I guess the murder part wasn't a big deal, but they could have done something about the attempted armed robbery. This is like if the police saw somebody planting a bomb and said, hey, you're trespassing. Yes, but there are other things they may want to be concerned about. In 1993, a professor, who was also a physician, received a package containing two pipe bombs. The pipe bombs did not explode. The professor was Bishop's supervisor at a neurobiology lab. Bishop had recently received a negative evaluation from him. Bishop and her husband, James Anderson, were questioned by the police but they did not cooperate with the investigation. No charges were filed. In 2002, Bishop was eating at an International House of Pancakes in Peabody, Massachusetts, when she approached another woman who had taken the last booster seat. Bishop verbally attacked her before punching her in the head while yelling, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Bishop was arrested and would plead guilty to disorderly conduct and misdemeanor assault. Here we see yet another example of booster seat-inspired violence. In 2003, she started working as an assistant professor at the University of Alabama. The students did not like Bishop too much, 
They said she was not an effective teacher, and she was odd and unsettling. Bishop published articles in journals, but she wasn't too productive. She published one article in 2009 that listed her husband and three children as co-authors. Her children were minors. They weren't professors. This was highly unusual. Bishop seemed to like teaching and conducting research, even though she wasn't too good at those functions. But she also wrote novels. She believed this would be her ticket out of academia. She never published any of the three novels that she wrote. All three featured a protagonist who fantasized about revenge against those who wronged them. One of the novels was about a female scientist who was battling a pandemic and worried about not getting tenure. Because that's what a scientist fighting a pandemic would worry about, not the end of the world. Her colleagues at the university were troubled by her behavior. They referred to her as not normal, out of touch with reality, strange, and said that she would exhibit erratic behavior like interrupting meetings with tangents that were bizarre. One professor who served on Bishop's tenure review committee referred to Bishop as crazy. Bishop filed a complaint with the EOC, but it didn't go anywhere. Bishop was denied tenure in March of 2009. This meant in March of 2010, her contract would not be renewed. She was going to be fired. This takes us to February 12, 2010. Bishop taught a class before attending a faculty meeting with about 12 or 13 other employees. The meeting went on for about 30 or 40 minutes. At 3.56 p.m., Bishop stood up, produced a Ruger P95, this is a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, and started shooting people who were seated around the table. She killed three of her colleagues and wounded three others. A professor asked Bishop to stop. Bishop pointed the gun at her head and pulled the trigger, but the gun did not fire. It's not clear if it malfunctioned or it was out of ammunition. Bishop exited the room and pulled the trigger several more times, but again, the weapon would not discharge. The police arrived and arrested Bishop outside the building. They found the Ruger P95 in a second-floor bathroom. The police were worried that Bishop may have planted a herpes bomb in the building. Evidently, she had worked with that virus as part of her studies. No bomb was found. Thinking about this idea of a herpes bomb, these are two words you don't want to see together. I would think that a herpes bomb would be unpopular even among other bombs. It would probably sit on the swing set by itself at recess. Bishop was charged with one count of capital murder and three counts of attempted murder. In 2012, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The case from 1986, the death of her brother, was reopened. Now moving to the mental health and personality factors. Bishop told a reporter after she was arrested that she was being treated for paranoid schizophrenia. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people 
to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com This disorder is characterized by delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior, and negative symptoms like diminished emotional expression or a volition. Bishop claimed she didn't remember committing the homicides. She also said that it was not the first time she had this type of memory problem. If she did in fact have schizophrenia, that could explain a few things. For example, why her co-workers described her as bizarre and out of touch with reality. Why she said after being arrested, I wasn't there, it wasn't me. That's what she told the police right as they took her into custody and why her work performance was poor. But it doesn't explain the attack or the alleged memory loss. This attack appeared to be revenge-based. The symptoms of schizophrenia would be more associated with an attack based on delusional thinking or hallucinations, more random from an outside perspective. She didn't appear to believe anything unusual about her victims, like they were aliens out to destroy the world, working for the CIA. She didn't think they were demons. In a premeditated crime, Bishop attacked people that she felt wronged her. It would appear she knew who they were when she fired her weapon. Various people who encountered Bishop described her as being confrontational, aggressive, socially awkward, and needing to be right. We see a number of behaviors that seem to connect to narcissism. For example, Bishop bragged that she had attended Harvard. She did not want people to know she drove an older, beat-up car. And her husband was named Jimmy Anderson, but she told him to use the name James. She said Jimmy was too low class. The personality profile for the persona that Bishop projects is probably something like high in openness to experience, mid-range conscientiousness, low extroversion, low agreeableness, and above-average neuroticism. Her behavior is really difficult to explain. Many have struggled with the idea that a professor could, in any moment, start shooting people. Even her attorney seemed confused. Even though he would later apologize for his choice of words, he referred to her as wacko. He may have a law degree, but he doesn't have a degree in subtlety. I mentioned before how one of her colleagues called her crazy. That colleague stood by his claim even after Bishop complained about him. After Bishop was arrested, she attempted to bring an end to her own life using a razor blade. She said that she tried to do this because she had hallucinations and delusions, and she could not take being indicted for her brother's accident. So she referred to the act of pointing a shotgun at him and pulling the trigger as an accident. In prison, Bishop still writes. She hopes to sell the novels she had written before, as well as a diary that she's writing in prison. Outside of any of the mental health discussions surrounding this case, it has brought attention to the idea of tenure. Bishop's reaction to not getting tenure was terrible. She had a homicidal reaction there, but that doesn't mean that she was automatically treated fairly. Her bad act doesn't make the university's behavior good. And that's really what this discussion is about. Is tenure a good idea? Does the system unnecessarily antagonize people? So let me start with a description of tenure. Tenure is really a word that means different things to different universities. In general, what it means is this. If a professor works for a university for between three 
and seven years, usually. They may get considered for a new rank, typically associate professor. So they start as an assistant professor and they can move to associate, which means it becomes more costly for the university to fire them. It's really not job security in a classic sense as much as the ability to have a more substantive claim if one is fired. The truth is that any employer can fire any employee at any time, and they often do. Many tenured professors get fired. The difference is that a professor with tenure has an additional claim against the university. So if there was no employment claim, like discrimination or retaliation, the professor can still say the university broke a contract. Essentially, tenure is nothing more than an employment contract. Employment contracts are used in many fields, not just academia. There are two strange things about the way this particular employment contract tenure is structured. First, at many universities, if a professor doesn't get tenure, they are fired. That was the case with Amy Bishop. With other universities, a professor may simply never get it. They may simply continue to be an assistant professor for the rest of their career. The universities that fire people who don't get tenure put a lot of pressure on professors. Also, failing to get tenure when it was expected means another university may be reluctant to hire that professor. It's difficult for professors to change careers. There's a massive investment in a very specific education. Unfortunately, former professors are often considered overqualified for other jobs, so they can't even move easily to a lower paying job. The second strange thing about the way tenure is structured is that with some universities, colleagues serve on a tenure committee for the professor who is being considered for tenure. Therefore, in theory, they help make that decision. The reality is, though, that administrators make decisions in universities, not ordinary rank professors. So a lot of people think, oh, this is a decision made by colleagues, but really, functionally, it's not. They're essentially just there to make the system seem like more of a democracy. What's interesting in the Bishop case is that she shot several people who actually supported her tenure. Stepping back and looking at tenure, I think the tenure system is broken. I don't think it's healthy for professors or universities, but there is no reason to believe that it should lead to homicide. There is some benefit to not getting too wrapped up in one's career identity. A job can be lost at any moment for any reason. In the case of Amy Bishop, she murdered people because she believed they had a hand in denying her a job that she didn't even truly want. What lesson can be learned in this case? With all the discussion about how unusual Amy Bishop was, she did shoot somebody years earlier before these murders at the university. It's amazing that she was not charged in the shooting death of her brother when it was committed, and she wasn't charged in that attempted armed robbery either. Often those who will someday commit homicide leave subtle and not so subtle warning signs. Bishop left the most obvious sign of all, and it was ignored. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. 
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.